0: so thankful to be back with you guys this week again after having last week off. Uh, If you have your copy of God's Word, let's go ahead and meet with each other in Exodus chapter 3. We're going to pick apart some things from a couple of chapters in the book of Exodus tonight as we continue and pick up with our third installment of the current series that we've been in called Attacking Anxiety, where we are hopefully beginning to learn how to turn the tables on the anxiety in our lives. And instead of it attacking us, we can begin attacking it, driving it back and out of our lives, experiencing true victory over our anxieties. Now, that being said, there is no way in our limited time together that we can address every specific individual thing that causes you to become anxious in your life. But what I believe God has done for me in my own life and for the purpose of teaching this to you guys is I believe he has helped me to identify three areas in life where anxiety tends to hang out the most. And so for the next few weeks, that's what you have to look forward to. We're going to identify what those areas are. And the first one that we encounter tonight is relatable to a conversation that God had with Moses in Exodus chapter 3 and in Exodus chapter 4. So if you would look at Exodus chapter 3, we'll start right there in verse 1 and the word of God says this. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold the bush was not burning, yet it was not the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Aren't you thankful for a God that looks down from heaven and sees you in your suffering, sees you in your oppression, sees you in your affliction, and also hears your cry for help? I'm thankful that we have a God that does not just sit in heaven, oblivious to the things that are going on in our lives. But when we cry out for help, out of pain, out of suffering, out of trial, out of oppression, He hears our cries, and He doesn't just sit there and entertain the thought of doing something about it. He actually comes down to do something about it. And He didn't just come down to set His people free from Egypt. He came down through the sun, Jesus Christ has set us free from our sin and our bondage and our oppression. So if you guys don't hear anything else tonight, hopefully that will be good enough to fill your cup as you leave this place because it's good enough to fill mine. Verse 10. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I want to speak to you tonight from the subject of anxiety over calling. This is one of those main areas of life where intense anxiety can develop, especially for college and young adult age people such as yourself. There is this tremendous pressure to make a decision about what you are going to do with your life at this certain stage. So many of us enter into college anxious about making a decision. And then oddly enough by the time you're getting ready to exit college you have now found a new anxiety over the decision that you previously made because you now fear there might be a distinct possibility that you made a wrong decision so not only do you come into college with anxiety most of you will leave college with anxiety aren't you encouraged tonight where are my people that are close to graduation you're like yes He just told me I'm going to leave with anxiety too. I thought I was getting away from it, but you're not. Actually, you are. We're about to kill it tonight. You believe it? How many of you want to be anxiety-free? How many of you believe you can be anxiety-free? Hmm. So really with anxiety over calling, it usually goes one of two ways. Either I'm anxious because I know what I'm called to do, and that scares me, Or, I'm anxious because I don't have a clue what to do. And that scares me. And so here we find Moses receiving a calling from God to lead the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage. But he instantly becomes filled with anxiety, which then produces things within him that cripple him as a follower of God. Did you hear me? As soon as Moses was filled with anxiety, it began to produce things within him that would cripple him as a follower of God. Of God, And there are some things that I want us to see together tonight that will feed your anxiety over the calling that you're seeking to fulfill and to find in your life. So let's go back to the text and pick back up in verse 11 of chapter 3. God is done speaking and Moses is going to give a response right here. He says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel Out of Egypt so God lays out this calling upon Moses's life to go and liberate his people but Moses's response isn't what we think that it should be it's not full of energy it's not full of enthusiasm instead he questions that he says who am I that I should go and liberate these people now how many of you would actually be ecstatic if the audible voice of God would show up in some form in your life and tell you exactly what he wanted you to do most people would be thrilled to have that spoken over their lives you would love for God to show up in your bedroom one night and it might not be a burning bush you might just turn on the lamp and all of a sudden the voice of God comes out of there and says Ashley, Ashley here I am here is my great and awesome plan for your life I don't think any of us would respond with say again? Or thanks but no thanks. Because most of you, there might be a time in your life when you said that, but I have found that college students are some of the most desperate people on the face of the earth. But listen to me. You're, you're desperate, so when God speaks something into your life, you're more than ready to go after it. And there's a reason why at this stage in your life, I think so often God speaks calling into people's lives at this stage. Why? Because he knows you are that desperate to find it. And you might not realize it at first, but all of a sudden here God shows up and he speaks this into your life. And you have gotten to such a point of desperation where you are willing to follow God, no matter where it is and no matter what it is, that when He shows up and speaks it into your life, you're like, okay, we'll do that. But Moses' response isn't like that. And here we find the first feeder of anxiety. And it's this, inadequate. Instead, he instantly feels inadequate to feel the role, God, I'm not qualified for this. I think we've probably got some people in the room tonight that feel inadequate. And you might know what your calling is, but you might not know what it is. But either way, inadequacy can still show up in your life. God might call you to something you may say, there's no way I can do that, God, I'm inadequate to fulfill that role. I'm unqualified to fulfill that role. There are some things that you might be considering in your life, but you won't go into those things. Why? Because of your inadequacy. So I won't chase after this, I won't go after that, I won't even give it a chance because I don't feel qualified to pursue it. And here you sit tonight, filled with anxiety over your calling or finding your calling because you feel inadequate or you feel unqualified to do it. So you'll sit there and you'll say, I can't be a teacher, I can't do that, I'm not qualified to do that. I don't feel adequate to do that. I can't be an engineer. I mean, there's no way I can pursue that. I don't have the brains to do that. I can't be a missionary if God called me to do that. I can't be a nurse. I can't be a doctor. I can't start a business. And so you allow inadequacy to feed your anxiety and so you stress and you worry over all these different things. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't be this. I can't be that. And you allow your inadequacy to feed your anxiety. And the conversation and the dialogue between Moses and God continues. And, and we'll skip what God says for the time being. Because I just want you to see Moses' responses to God. He already knows what his calling is. And so we're going to pick apart the responses, the responses that he, he gives back to God. So jump over to Exodus chapter 4 and look at verse 1. Moses again responds to the calling that God has placed upon his life, and it says, Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. So Moses' second reason that he's not going to go to the Israelites is because he believes no one will listen to him, And he says, God, they're not going to listen to me. They're not going to believe me if I I go to them. And so here we find the second feeder of anxiety over calling insufficient. When Moses says back to God, I can't go because they won't believe me. I can't go because they won't listen to me. In other words, he's saying, Lord, I'm insufficient. I'm incompetent. They won't respect me. All they will do is doubt me. I'll go to them and say, the Lord God has sent me to tell you this. And they're going to look back at me and they're going to laugh. And they're going to make fun of me. And they're going to (laughs) say, He didn't tell you that. He didn't tell you. Why would he tell you that, Moses? Why can not he just tell us himself? And you know what? I believe Moses is thinking about his past at this point. I think this is why Moses feels insufficient. Because he is thinking about his past. And if you don't know anything about Moses' life, before he ended up in the land of Midian, he was actually an official in Egypt for Pharaoh. But he had such a passion for God's people that as he walked outside one day, he saw an Egyptian on top of an Israelite fighting him. And he went over there and he struck the Egyptian down and he killed him. And out of fear, he ran. And he's in the land of Midian at this point. And I think that as God is speaking this calling into his life, Moses is remembering his past. And he's thinking, if I go back to them, people are going to know who I am. I have a reputation. Everybody knows that I killed that guy, Lord. They're not going to listen to me. They're not going to respect me. Why would God speak to someone like you, Moses? You're a murderer. God's not going to speak to a murderer. He wouldn't choose a murderer to lead an entire nation of people out of bondage. No, no, God, they're not going to believe that you spoke to me, and so now he feels insufficient. And I believe that God is calling some of you into something, but you're allowing one thing that happened in your past to make you feel insufficient for that calling. One thing! If if God can use a man who murdered somebody else, what's so awful in your life that he can't continue to use you? And so some of you won't step into a calling that God has placed upon your life because of one thing in your past that you reflect upon, and it makes you feel insufficient to step into your calling. Or, Or it's on this spectrum. Some of you feel insufficient because... At some point in time, you spoke your passions and your desires to someone. And because they responded in an unsure and doubtful way, you now feel like, well, maybe I am insufficient for that thing. So some of you, God has placed a passion in your life. Some of you, God has put a desire in your heart to do something. And you express that to somebody. And their response, while you're telling them, probably looks something like this. Well, I mean, that's pretty ambitious. Are you sure God's, you know, the one leading you to do that? Because that's that's a pretty big move. It's a pretty big risk. I don't know if I would lay that all on the line like that. And because of one person's response, now you feel insufficient and you begin to buy into their reaction. It's not what God spoke to you that you're believing in. It's the reaction of what somebody else did. And you look at that and you begin to think, well, maybe they're right. Maybe I am missing God on this. Maybe I am shooting a little too far. And So you won't step into your calling because you begin to feel insufficient because of somebody else's reaction. And now your insufficiency on top of your inadequacy is feeding your anxiety over your calling. Moses gives a third response. Look in verse 10 of chapter 4. The dialogue continues, and Moses says in verse 10, the third time he responds to God, he says, But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and of tongue, third feeder of your anxiety over your calling, Inability. As the conversation continues, Moses finds yet another reason to not step into his calling, and he tells God, I'm not a good communicator, which says inability. God, I don't even possess the giftedness to fulfill the calling. Some of you in here, I know you feel this way. God's put something on your heart. He's leading you something in your life, but you don't feel as if you possess the giftedness to fulfill that thing. And for Moses, just even the thought of having to go and speak publicly to Pharaoh and his officials filled him with anxiety. For some of you, just the thought of having to step into what God is calling you to is filling your life with anxiety. How backwards is that? How backwards is it that the thing that God calls us into produces anxiety within us? If anything, that should encourage us to pursue it even more. Because anxiety doesn't come from God. It comes from Satan. And why else would he put that in your life? Other than the fact that he knows if you go into that thing, you're going to experience blessing upon blessing. And God's going to use your life. And he doesn't want that to happen. Inability. And so we're anxious over calling because we don't feel like we have the ability to live it out. I can't speak, I'm not smart enough, I don't have administrative skills, I don't know how to work a budget, I'm not very organized, I can't be that creative. I got I don't possess the giftedness to do it. I hear you calling me to, to do this, but I don't have the giftedness. And now it's getting worse. Now your your inability on top of your Insufficiency on top of your inadequacy is feeding your anxiety over your calling. Moses responds for a fourth time. This is going somewhere, I promise you. Verse 13. Moses speaks back to God again. And look at his response as the dialogue continues. But he said, oh my Lord, please send someone else. Fourth feeder of your anxiety over your calling. I'm incapable. Eventually in the course of the conversation, Moses reaches a point where he feels like he has exhausted all of his reasons that he can give to God about why he can't fulfill his calling and so he says to God just send someone else in other words I'm incapable I can't do this Lord it's impossible for me to fulfill this calling you're putting upon my life and plus plus I know There's someone else out there that can do a better job than me at this. And some of you are carrying around that same mindset. You won't step into something God is calling you to because you're believing this lie that there's somebody else out there that can do it better than you. And it's not about if they're more qualified. It's not about if they're more capable. It's just a matter of your obedience. God doesn't care about who's more qualified. He doesn't have an Excel sheet in heaven. Where he looks at everybody's giftedness and everybody's ability and everybody's capability and ranks them from top to bottom and says, here's my missionaries and here's my pastors and here's my plumbers and here's my teachers and here's my coaches and here's my electricians. It doesn't work like that. You want to look appealing to God? Just present to Him a submissive heart. But Moses is sitting here saying, God, I'm incapable. Just just send someone else. Someone else would make a better teacher. Someone else would make a better coach. Somebody else would make a better businessman or a better businesswoman. Somebody else, God, would make a, a better missionary, a pastor, a nurse, or a doctor, or a dentist. Listen, if we allow anxiety to linger in our lives, it has the potential to collapse our calling. If you allow anxiety to linger in your life, it has the potential to collapse your calling. Just send someone else. Lord, let somebody else do it. And now, your incapability on top of your inability, on top of your insufficiency, on top of your inadequacy is feeding your anxiety over your calling. Oh, God, help me. Can't do it. Send somebody else. So, so how do we attack this anxiety over our calling? That's what you really want to hear, right? You're like, okay, I get that. You found me where I'm at, yeah. I've got inadequacy, yeah, I feel insufficient. Yeah, I struggle with inability, and yeah, I feel incapable to do what God's called me to do, but how do I fix that? How do I move past that? How do I get past these things that feed my anxiety? So how do we attack this anxiety over our calling? Each of these feelings that are feeding our anxiety must be met with something greater. They all have to be met with something greater. And we're going to press the rewind button in this narrative because I want you to see that each reason Moses gave for why he couldn't fulfill his calling. God met with the response of why he could. And it's really cool. And I want you guys to see it. Because it's going to hold potential power within your lives to set you free from this anxiety. That you have going on over the calling that you have or the one that you're trying to find. So go back to chapter 3. And we'll grab verse 11 again. So we can see Moses' response coupled in with God's response. So in verse 11, remember Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God responds, and he said, But I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So here's what I want you to see. It's not inadequate, it's assured. When Moses gave the reason of who am I, God responded with, I will be with you. God assured him of his presence in his life. So you may feel inadequate or unqualified, but remember who called you. Remember whose idea this was from the beginning. This wasn't Moses' idea to go and do this. This was God's idea. And if it was God's idea, then he will promises to be with him the whole Wait, and he promises to be with you each and every step of the way. You are assured of his presence. His word says that he will never leave you or forsake you. So I'm assured of his presence. So I may feel inadequate. I may feel inadequate. But the fact is, I'm assured of God's presence. And so I attack my inadequacy with God's assurance. I hope y'all are paying attention to this because this is where the real application begins to take form. You can hear all that stuff at the beginning and that's great. But if you don't get this second half, don't expect to experience victory over this anxiety. I attack my inadequacy with God's assurance. Now instead of inadequacy feeding my anxiety, assurance begins killing my anxiety. Moses' second response to God. Brings a response back to Moses from God in chapter 4. We'll start in verse 1. It says, Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord not appear to you. And the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. He said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. It's a natural reaction. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. Which, for how many of you would that take a tremendous step of faith? To do do so he put out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand that they may believe that the Lord the God of their fathers the God of Abraham the God of Isaac the God of Jacob has appeared to you again the Lord said to him put your hand inside your cloak and he put his hand inside his cloak and when he took it out behold his hand was leprous like snow then God said put your hand back inside your cloak so he put his hand back inside his cloak and when he took it out behold it was restored like the rest of his flesh If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground, and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. So it's not that I'm insufficient, because here's what we see God speaking to Moses now, it's that you're confirmed. It's not that I'm insufficient, it's that I'm confirmed. When Moses gave the reason that no one would believe or listen to him, God confirmed him. That's what these signs were. These were confirmation of God's calling upon Moses' life. So he says when you go to them, use your staff and show them this sign. If that doesn't work, put your hand in your cloak and show them this sign. If that doesn't work, dip the water out and pour it on the ground and show them this sign. These signs will confirm my calling upon your life. God will always confirm those whom he calls. One more time. God will always confirm those whom he calls. Stop backing away from your calling because someone responded to what you shared in an unsure, doubtful way. Which made you feel insufficient. Stop doing that. Listen to me. You don't need other people's validation. All you need is God's confirmation. So I may feel insufficient. I may feel insufficient, but the fact is I'm confirmed. So I attack my insufficiency with God's confirmation. And now, instead of insufficiency feeding my anxiety, confirmation begins killing my anxiety. Let's check out God as he responds to Moses the third time. Moses decided that he would talk back. We'll put it back up in verse 10 of chapter 4, but Moses said to the Lord, so Moses keeps giving these reasons, and now the dialogue is becoming more and more full. Moses said to the Lord, "Oh, my Lord, not eloquent either in the past, or since you have spoken to your servant, I'm slow of speech and of tongue. And then listen to God's response in verse 11. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? (laughs) Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you, what you shall speak. So now it's not that I have inability, it's that I'm enabled. When Moses gave his reason of inability or lacking giftedness, God responded with his power to enable. Or in other words, to give giftedness. So Moses says, I can't talk. I can't communicate. I must... The stutterer. And God's response was, that's okay, Moses, because I made your mouth. And I can control what comes out of it. And not only that, I can control how it comes out of it. And so you might feel like you have an inability. But I have the power to enable you to have a giftedness that you might not have once had before. Listen, it's not that God calls the gifted. It's that he gifts the called. And I found that to be very true in my life. I was a kid that never talked. So if you need a living testimony, a living witness of how God will gift those He calls, here you go. Test Him and see if He won't do it. He will provide you with what is needed. Listen, He'll provide you with what is needed, even if it didn't already exist. God has the power to place whatever giftedness He so desires in your life at any given moment. For whatever calling, he sees fit for you to live out for him. So I may feel like it's inability. But the fact is, through God, I'm enabled. And so I attack my inability with God's enablement. Now instead of inability feeding my anxiety, enablement begins killing my anxiety one last thing one last thing back to Exodus chapter 4 picking back up in verse 13 as we get the rest of this dialogue between God and Moses Moses makes this one last sales pitch to God for why he shouldn't be the one that steps into this calling but he said oh my Lord please send someone else Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And you may think, uh uh-oh. Here we go. God's gotten mad. What happened to the good, gracious, and merciful God? I thought his love and his patience was supposed to endure forever. It seems to be running out on Moses. Well, he's already given him three different chances. Sooner or later, if you keep bucking on God's calling on your life, he's going to get a tad bit agitated with you because he knows that he can provide you with what you need to do it. Stop making reasons for why you can't. Notice, not one time have I said the word excuse. And they're not excuses in Moses' life either. Why? Because they are legitimate fears and concerns. And I'm not going to call what you have as a legitimate fear and concern that produces anxiety in your life an excuse for why you're not living things out that God has called you to. They are legit reasons. I get that. But we can get rid of them. That's why God gave him a response every single time. So God gets upset with Moses here. And then look at what he says to him. He says, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. So God says, get with Aaron. I'll use him in your life. Take up your daggum staff and get busy with it. This conversation is over Stop rejecting your calling and start living your calling. If I had like a mental picture of God literally kicking Moses in the butt at this moment, like the bush actually actually grew a foot and was literally like, boom, get after it, Moses. Some of us just need a kick in the butt tonight. Get after it. So it's not that I'm incapable it's that I'm helped God met Moses' reason of being incapable was showing him that he would be helped and here's what I found to be true in my life it's that God has a way of placing people in your life that will help you live out your calling he will he will place people in your life that help you live out your calling don't 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 tell him to send someone else If God brings a responsibility to your doorstep and He lays it all out there for you, please don't look back at Him and say, God sent someone else. Don't do that. Don't miss out on this opportunity. Don't miss out on this blessing. If He wanted to send somebody else, He would have asked somebody else. But He chose you. He chose you. So I may feel incapable but the fact is, I'm helped. Here, as we finish up, this is one thing I found to be typically true. It's that calling is usually accompanied with passion. Calling is usually accompanied with passion. And so if God places a particular calling upon your life, you will also fill your life with an intense passion for that thing. And so Moses had an intense passion for God's people. That's why he struck the Egyptian down. He didn't mean to kill the guy. His passions just got the best of him. He he had an intense passion for God's people. But here's the deal. His calling made him anxious. In the New Testament, if you were to look in 2 Corinthians, you would see that Paul had an intense passion for the church. But it also made him anxious at times. And God has given some of you an intense passion for what he has called you to do. But in reality, it's making you anxious a little bit. And sometimes, here's what I've learned from this, if we aren't careful, our greatest passions can become our greatest anxieties. And so you have to be aware of that. Because you hold such a great and high passion for that thing, oftentimes it becomes a threat to then become your greatest anxiety why because you deeply care so much it means that much to you that you just don't want to mess it up that you don't want to be a failure that you don't want to make a mistake but when that begins to creep in this is why we have to attack this anxiety that we have over whatever calling God has placed on our life or whatever we're trying to find as a calling in our lives you've got to attack it so remember it's not that I'm inadequate I'm assured it's not that I'm insufficient I'm confirmed. It's not my inability. It's that I'm enabled. It's not that I'm incapable. It's that I'm helped. So let God take this little bag that you've been breathing in and toss it to the side. Stop breathing in the bag and start believing in God. And trusting that this anxiety that you have in your life over what you're supposed to be doing or who you're supposed to be or who he's calling you to be or the fact that you don't know any of the above, Let Him have some freedom in your life to begin attacking those things with what we just talked about so that you can begin experiencing freedom in this area of your life. Do not be anxious about your life. Matthew 6. He's given us the tools. For every reason that you may give, God has a response. So there might be a reason of why you can't, Just like Moses, God has a response of why you can't.